Thank you, church. Uh, you may be seated, and we'll have our scripture reading today from Acts 16, 25 through 40. John? Okay. Um, okay. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Paul, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release those men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. Then, or excuse me, they came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Here ends the reading. Amen. Thank you, John. So are you feeling smart today? Are you ready for a pop quiz? You're always ready for a pop quiz, right? So let's work backwards from where our scripture reading began. Uh, I trust that you remember a little bit from last week. I trust that you might have read Acts chapter 16 before and recently. So why were Paul and Silas in jail? Anyone? Why? Spreading the word of God. They, yep, they was out and about preaching. You remember what they had just done? Yes. Yep, there's a fortune teller, a young girl uh, that was, she, had, she was being employed, but she also was chasing or following Paul and Silas wherever they went and harassing them and, and just, you know, speaking things out and trying to interrupt their preaching and teaching. And Paul lasted quite a while. He put up with it for a while and finally he, he got fed up with it. He got irritated and he, you know, said, demon come out of her. He cast the demon out. He came out. Her employers realized that they lost a source of income. They were mad, and of course, they turned Paul and Silas in, and they end up in jail. But you remember before that, where had Paul and Silas been? Where we ended last Sunday, where we ended last Sunday's message, 
Paul and Silas was with who? Lydia. And what happened to Lydia and her family? They was baptized. They came to know the Lord. They was baptized, the whole household. And then where, where did it end today? Back at Lydia's. Wow, very good, I think. <laughs> so yes, last week we left off Paul staying with Lydia, baptized their whole household. They were so happy to be believers. She insisted that he stay with her, and she cared for him. And now what do they have? What does Lydia and her family have? They have this testimony, a testimony that they had and it was eternal they had it for the rest of their life and it's eternal also because it's in God's eternal word a testimony that we can read about and look at and evaluate because it's still a testimony today it is recorded in the word of God we do not know what Lydia's life looked like before the prayer meeting, remember, they was down by the river last week. Lydia and all, they was down by the river. Paul and Silas and disciples, they went down to the river to find a place of prayer. And there was a prayer meeting there. And that's where Lydia was. So we don't know what her life looked like. But we do know it was a life without the Lord. A life without Christ. A life of the world. Unless you've been locked down for any amount of time, unless you're just crawled out of a cave for the first time today, you should know and you do know that our country and our cities and communities and churches have a list of problems. A list of problems, a list of worldly problems, and it's more than a mile long. Random killings and hate crimes, illegal dealings, lying, cheating, betrayal, just to name a few. Do you know that just be below the human skin, yes, your skin and my skin, it doesn't matter the color because we're all humans, we're all sinful. We all need to be down to the river to be baptized. But just underneath the skin of each and every one of us, there's, a, there's that humanness. It's different for all of us, all of us but it makes us all human. There's jealousy and hatred and bitterness and anger. There are things that we try to justify. There's things that we want to get one up on our neighbor or one up on somebody else. And all those things are just there in a boiling pot. And when something just sets us off, it just spews out of us. Some of us sooner than others, but eventually we all lash out and act out. We say things, do things, look at things, and look at people in hateful ways. So we really have to even ask ourselves, can the church ever begin, ever begin to reduce or become an agent that stops destruction, stops this humanness? The church in of itself cannot, cannot because we need Jesus. So when the church gets Jesus, and Jesus is its only way, then there can be a change. But within ourselves, without Jesus, we'll continue to struggle. And the church in America is struggling even to exist. 
You can look up the data. I'm not going to share the numbers with you, but what it, church attendance now, what it used to be, and what it means to go to church, and what it means to be a full-time church attender, and, and how that's different than being even a member. But I want to share a quote with you. The writer of this quote is anonymous, and I quote, If Christians spent as much time praying as they do grumbling, they would soon have nothing to grumble about, end quote. Absolutely. I'm glad I didn't have to ask for that amen. Because the early church, when it began with Paul and Silas, Timothy, Peter, and the other disciples, they all began to spread this news about Jesus. And what did they begin? They began all throughout the area known as Asia Minor. They did it by the practice of prayer and by the work of evangelism. Prayer and evangelism. They were one in the same. And one thing for sure, the disciples, other than Jesus, they had nothing else to rely on. No money, no buildings, no programs, no modern communication, nothing except the power of prayer and the leading of the Holy Spirit. The disciples began to understand this and understand why prayer was so important. What did they do? They looked back and reflected upon what they had experienced with Jesus. They began to have this light bulb moment. Oh, that's why Jesus prayed so much. Oh, that's why Jesus went to be alone with the Lord. Oh, that's how Jesus had his strength, wisdom, and knowledge because he was prayed up and ready for the unexpected and ready for struggles and ready for the evil that was ready to attack him. Jesus was prayed up. With just the clothes on their backs and prayer, the disciples turned the world upside down everywhere they went. Prayer today for the majority of church-going individuals is lame, is powerless, and has been replaced with the man's attitude, the humanness of self-serving attitude and a self-serving agenda and what's in it for me. Sad, isn't it? Sometimes the truth is sad. Paul and Silas, they're on the move again. They're leaving Lydia's house on the journey and they're finding new places to pray, new areas to preach. And as it says in verse 16, once they were going to a place of prayer, they were met by a slave girl. Going to another place to pray, the girl follows them. She followed and followed and followed. She shouted and she shouted. These men are servants of the Most High God. And I know the microphone's cutting out, so I don't think our different pack is working very well today, Mike. So we'll keep going back to the drawing board for our sound system. Paul finally had enough. Paul commanded the spirit to come out of the girl, and she was freed, freed from this bondage, and she was able to receive the gospel message for herself. And this leads Paul and Silas right to jail. And there in that jail cell, Paul and Silas turns it into a place of prayer. What do you think they were praying? 
What do you think their prayers might have been? For themselves, Lord, get us out of jail. Lord, are they going to kill us? Lord, will we ever eat again? Lord, will we get sick and die? I don't think it was any of those things. I began, and I believe they was praying with thanksgiving in their heart. They was singing hymns of praise. Everyone was listening. Scripture says everyone's listening. All the other prisoners are listening. The jailer was hearing these things. And I believe they was praying for the prisoners. I believe they was praying for the jailer and all the jailers and the leaders and the whole situation. I believe they was praying for others, not themselves. God heard their prayers. The jail shakes, the door is open, the chains fall off. And Paul and Silas, are they running? Absolutely not. They're ready to share the gospel. Share the gospel with whoever is ready to listen. And they see the jailer. And they say, do not harm yourself. Paul and Silas know that prayer will get results. And they're seeing these results. Read a story about a woman in Cottonwood, Arizona. Anybody ever been to Cottonwood, Arizona? I haven't, never heard of it, but that's where she's from. And she began to pray for her community. And one, she took up the passion to pray for the police department. They need our prayers, don't they? But she prayed for her police department there in Cottonwood, Arizona. She prayed for the police chief and all the off, other officers. And soon, what you know, the police chief started going to church. Another officer started going to church. Another officer had a near-death experience, and he started going to church. He saw a vision of Jesus at the foot of his bed. He accepted Christ and others, and the whole de department came to know Christ because of one woman made it a commitment to pray directly for that department, for that de police department. I don't know what God's going to call you to pray for or what department, what school, maybe what class or what, whatever it may be. But there's things we need to pray for, and he wants you to be praying. There was one, at one point in time in our lives, in our country, that prayer was built into our daily lives. You'd go to church, you'd pray. You went to school and you prayed each and every day. The family would sit down and the family would pray around the table and they'd pray together before the meal. But now we live in a day and time of drive through, eat, eat and run. And the prayer for the Christian has gone by the wayside. But what do we see in verse 25? Paul and Silas were praying. They were singing a hymn, hymns to God. And the people were listening. Was God listening? Absolutely God's listening. He's always listening. The prisoners were listening. The jailer was listening. God responded and the foundations were shaken. People came to know Christ. The jailer embraced Paul and Silas. I would think probably beforehand he might have been one throwing them in there. And he's probably kicking them as he's getting them in there. And they're probably falling down, stumbling because of chains. And he's probably just kicking them for good measure. Because that's what jailers do. That's what happens to prisoners. 
So imagine, and we can imagine this, because what does the jailer do? He takes them home, he cleans up their wounds. They've been beaten and bruised, they're bleeding, bleeding and they're bloody. So he cleans them up, says, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. What must I do to be saved? And out of compassion and love, Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Not just the jailer, but his whole household. The jailer and his family that day put their trust in God and they were baptized. The jailer takes Paul home and as he just cares for him, he's filled with joy. The joy of the Lord fills this man, the jailer, and his household just like it had filled Lydia and her household. Do you need that joy today? I'm being serious. For you, your marriage, your household, your family, do you need that type of joy today? Do you need this joy that the Lord filled this man with? The joy that the Lord filled Lydia with? A joy that's so powerful that it moved the whole family close to the Lord. It's available. You can have that joy. That joy can enter your heart if you're willing, if you want it, if you desire it. You don't have to be rebaptized. You don't have to re, you know, rejoin the church. You don't have to take membership class. You just need to say, Jesus, I want that joy. And I'm serious, Jesus. I, I want this joy. I haven't known it for so long. I'm tired of the hand wringing. I'm tired of the stress. I'm tired of being depressed. I'm tired of no energy. I'm tired of having not a life without joy. Paul said, believe. Believe with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's simple. Believe it. Embrace it. Let, let it come in. And if you're hearing the Lord speaking to you in that way today, if the Holy Spirit's nudging you, you need to pray. You need a prayer life that is more powerful than what you've ever had before. If you want that prayer life that changes you, changes your family, changes everyone around you, it's available. It's, it's available for you today. And there's no reason to wait another day. There's no reason to go away contemplating. No reason for debating. Earlier in the week, I was sharing some things with Greg Miller about the Lord talking to me, about going and praying with a, a man that had went to the altar at some revival services that Angie and I have been re, uh, attending. And Angie's like, you need to go pray for him. And I knew I needed to go pray with him because he had sat beside me. We sat beside him, and he had talked to me and shared with me. He went out of his way to talk to me. I'm trying to mind my own business. But he, this Jerry went out of his way, and he's talking to me, and he went to the altar and I went and prayed with him, and I said, what, what do you need, Jerry? I need transportation. I need help with my uh, finances. I need help with in some of my relationships. And Jerry, then after that night, he texted me for three to change, exchange cell phone numbers, and he texted me like three days in a row. And then he said, Pastor Matt, I got a new ride. He sent me a picture of a bicycle that he was able, a new bike for 40 bucks. 
And he was so happy. We got to stop debating the Holy Spirit when he's leading us to do something. Today, Greg was talking to me before Sunday school, said, hey, I send you messages at all hours a day because when the Holy Spirit talks to me, I got to send the idea to you now or I'll forget and I'll forget about it later. I was like, me too, Greg. When the Holy Spirit tells me something, I got I to gotta act upon it. Send a text, make a call, visit, whatever it is. If you want that type of relationship, the Holy Spirit nudging you around the clock every single day, it's, it's available. That's what God wants. I invite you to pray for it. Pray for that joy. Pray for that type of spiritual walk. Pray for that type of relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I invite you today, I invite you to come to the altar if the Lord's speaking to you in that way. I invite you to talk to those around you, family, friends, Sunday school teacher, pastor, about the Spirit nudging you in whatever way, shape, or form. Text me if you want to. You don't even have to call me. Just text me. Tell me about it. Let me pray about it with you. So I invite you to join me in prayer today. I invite you with your heads bowed and eyes closed. With your spiritual ears and your physical ears. With your heart and mind and soul, what do you hear today? What are you hearing? What is the Lord saying? How does he want you to move? Oh Lord, you are our God. You see our hearts and you know our true desires. Lord, I regret that we have for so long tried to put into order our own plans and our own lives our own way of doing ministry, our own uh, wants, our own agendas. Lord, we're just trying to please ourselves, and that's not what you want. I pray that we'd be a church, that we would be living to please you, that we as your church, your children, and of this great nation that you have blessed us with, with abundance of so much, Lord, I pray for a desire to return to you, that each one would give themselves entirely up to you, that they would want to be yours and only yours. So, Lord, hear their prayers. Help them hear you. And I pray that they would be obedient in responding to you. So, Lord, again, in our humanness, I have to ask for you to accept us for you know how you you have made us. But also in this, Lord, I ask for you to teach us. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to live a beautiful life in the name of Jesus Christ. That you would look down and see us, Lord, as a holy bride ready for the bridegroom. So once again, Lord, keep us from serving ourselves. Father God, we give and we surrender our minds, 
so that we would use them for your glory. May we be filled with your virtues and your works and your will and your word. Give us the joy in doing these things, Lord, and doing your will and living a holy life, doing the holy work that is laid out before us. Why? Because you have ordained it, Lord. You have ordained this for our lives and for the ministry of this church. So, Father God, I pray that we will love what you love, that we will hate what you hate, and that you will give us, and this will give you the glory, not us, but only you, Lord, as we humble ourselves in your presence, and that by your leading, we are reminded once again that we own nothing, and that you owe us nothing, and that we don't even belong to ourselves, and we were not created to serve ourselves, but we were created to serve you, Lord, and to love you, and to love one another. And we are to live and pray by the direction of your word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Father God, I ask and I pray all of these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. To God be the glory, now and forever. Amen.